Welcome to week number two, hour number one, Monday, our first Monday. With the lowdown with low tide on Sports 1440 today's show, NFL Week One Wild. Strong Monday nighter tonight, plus Oilers rookie and main rosters on the way, uh, and the importance of the waiver wire. You're going to hear more about the waiver wire than you ever wanted to. On the, you're going to say, stop with the way. I'm going to keep going. It's important. I'll tell you why. Also, why Raphael Lavoie is in a spot of bother, as the British say, uh, to make the Oilers roster. There's something going on. Uh, Sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, and Radio Player Canada. You're going to text or call us at 1-833-401-1440, on Twitter, at Low Tide, and at Declan Kruger. And the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. Say hi to Doug, and I want to say hi to Mary uh, tuning in today. Our guest today, Vinny Iyer from The Ringer, will join us to talk NFL Week 1. And the Monday nighter, Jason Greger, will talk Oilers, a roster spot, and more. I've already made a mistake. Vinny Iyer is from Sports Illustrated. I follow him. Should have known that. Our top stories today are NFL, Cowboys flatten the Giants. I tweeted out an early kind of funny, <laughs> funny item to Jason Strudwick when it was like, I don't know, six nothing. And then it got ugly and I felt badly because Struddy's a great dad. He's a really good guy. So I hope he, you know, I hope he, I hope he forgives me before the Cowboys play the, the Eagles because the Cowboys look good. Eagles won, but inconsistent. The Bears, the suck. Good Lord, Chargers. And the 49ers look frightening. That's my take. Many other takes coming uh, tonight. Bills v. Jets. I think it'll be a good game. We'll we'll talk about all of the football with Vinny Iyer uh, from Sports Illustrated coming up here at twelve twenty, and we'll discuss the game tonight. Want to talk about the orders? This is a big week, and I know it doesn't feel like I know it's Monday, and you're sort of staring at a wall. My friend Declan, as I was telling a, a, a very important story about my personal life, yawned eleven times and kept saying, "Oh, it's very interesting," uh, over and over again. That's because it's Monday, not because my story was uninteresting. Correct, Declan? Well, I mean, very important is subjective when you're talking about a story. Very important to some, maybe yawning material for others. I'm not. I'm not saying that was our situation. I'm just saying it's a possibility, not a certainty. Sure. Um, but no, yeah. Listen, like you said, it's Monday. It's our first Monday on air. We're getting the, shaking the cobwebs off after a long weekend of sports, but we're back at it. We're energized and we're ready to go. And. One of the things we will talk about later on today, we're off of the cheese. That was last week. You're looking for a cup of coffee you enjoy that's on your way to work. So we're going to give the the route and maybe people can find something in your wheelhouse. Is there a, is there a price point that you won't go beyond? Well, me and, Al, me and Lotai were talking and I, I stop at Tim's because it's on the way. I you know, I'm not a huge fan of the coffee, but $2.17 for a large. You can't go wrong. It's right mm. on the way. Price doesn't have to be an issue for me. With the route to work, it's convenience. Right. Anything that's convenient for me. I mean, I don't want to be spending $9 on a cup of coffee, but, you know, any anything anything four fifteen under, I can work Okay, with. well, I think yeah. that's workable. So so you're, you drive from the, where, where, how do you come, 178th? What do you come down? Yeah, so so I live downtown, so I'll take basically 100th Ave straight to 170th, a left on 170th, and then from 170th, you're basically at the mall. So, so 100th Ave is my, uh, 100th Ave heading west. So That is my biggest point of, uh, point of travel in the morning. So anything along there, if you're familiar with it, let me know. One eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Let's find this young man who yawned eleven times during a quite an important story in my life. 
because I, you know, I mean, I know it's Monday. I know he had a weekend. I, what young people do on the weekend, I don't know, but I imagine it involves many hours of something. So let's find him a coffee he likes. What does Young Stars play in Penticton Friday at 5 o'clock against the Winnipeg Kids? That's game one. Uh, that tells us we'll find the Young Stars roster this week. And if things hold, according to the past, we'll also see the Edmonton full roster by this time Monday. How's that? I'm guessing 60 to 65 names. There are only about 25 men vying for 21 spots. You could really name them. It's the entire roster you expect. And then one of Lavoie. Uh, Gagne, Lane Peterson, Drake Kajula, I think. That would be my guess. It's 25 guys for 21 jobs. Not the most exciting training camp, but it could be. Because I think we could see a trade involving a bubble defenseman heading out of the organization. And we'll have more on that in the rumors segment about 1240-ish. We're basically doing our breaks at 1535 and 55. So if you're ever wondering where we are and... If I have an important interview and I say 1240, that's what it'll be. But we're we're still wheeling around. We're still kind of finding our way. But that should be 1240 when we hit the rumor wire. And that'll also include the waiver wire. PTOs and signings. We'll talk to Jason Greger about 120 on the latest there. There are some reports. Thomas Tatar, according to Elliot Friedman, has changed agents and is looking east. That'll be one of the rumors that we talk about. Uh, today, both on the rumors segment and with Jason Greger. I mentioned Raphael Lavoie earlier, and I think that, that he is going to be a really important player for fans to follow here in, in training camp. And when I say important, I use that word not just correctly, but also with reason. Raphael Lavoie is an unknown quality in the NHL. He's never played an NHL game. I think he's only played one preseason game because of the pandemic, and then he was hurt last year during preseason. So he's really unknown to fans, and and Jay Woodcroft would know him because he had played for Woodcroft in Bakersfield, but the progress that he's made as a player in the last while I think could and should come as a surprise to the Oilers, Brass, and to the players on the ice this year. So People keep saying, you know, is he does he have enough to, to, to win the job over Gagne and Lane Peterson and Kajula? And I say, yeah, but he's got to show it because this is a um this is like Declan's week one on the show. I mean, if he had been, you know, poor or shy or less than quick on the draw, maybe there's somebody else who's gonna be, you know, here in that chair. As it turned out, he's he's quicker than I am, smarter than I am, has a better voice than I do, and now I'm the one playing defense. That's how quickly things can change. I think Lavoie will win a job. I think he's good enough to win a job. And I do think a right-handed first-shot scorer on this Edmonton Oilers team would be highly valuable. He's also a bit of a bully on the ice. Last year in the AHL, once he found the range, he came off an injury. But by January, he was pushing people around and pushing them off the puck. Lavoie is is a really good prospect. I know he was a second-round pick, but he had first-round talent. Now, the problem is he's not ideal for what they're looking for. Remember, they're trying to win the Stanley Cup. And Lavoie is not ideal for what the Oilers' fourth line appears to be, which is Yanmark and Ryan. And if Gagne was a center, I think he'd be ideal. But I think Lane Peterson is the guy who, you know, Peterson and Lavoie and Gagne are not applying for the same task on the team, but they are applying for the same roster spot. 
So Jay Woodcroft and the other high foreheads in the coaching and management staff will have to sit down towards the end of camp and they'll have to ask themselves these questions. Did Lavoie do enough? If not, is Peterson the guy at center or Gagne on the wing? And then the final one is, should the team make a trade for a more substantial player in that role? I don't have your answers. And I don't think the orders do now either, but they will by the end of training camp. And Lavoie, Gagne played last year, and he played pretty well if you if you take into account, you know, relative to the other players on his team. That said, the bar is not set so high by Ken Holland with his procurement over the summer that Lavoie should, you know, be overwhelmed by it. He should be able to win it. And then the other outlier, I haven't mentioned him, is Brandon Sutter because I think likely he's headed down. Now, if he shows up in good shape, then it's over. You're going to see Lavoie either traded or send on waivers. And Gagne will either go to the minors or, you know, take a front office job. I don't know. I don't know where he's headed. Um, I know fans want Sam Gagne on the on the roster, and I get that. If Gagne were here for a Stanley Cup victory, that would kind of, you know, bring it all together. Because remember, he was drafted in 07 and came on off the, coming off the Russian tournament he went right to the NHL, and he's been basically there since. And him being one of the guys who raises the cup would be, you know, ginormous. Is that a word? Oh, yeah, that's a okay, word. Okay, ginormous. Oh, yeah. All right, then. I wrote about Ryan Nugent Hopkins at The Athletic today, and let me tell you, Buster, that guy's been to hell and back. And I don't know the order. If they win the Stanley Cup, I know McDavid, then it would be Drysaddle, then I think it would be Nurse, and then I, it should be Nuge. And some would probably argue ahead of Nurse, but I don't think that'll happen. I think Nude should be, but maybe he isn't. I don't know. Probably whoever wins the con Smythe would be. That might be Stuart Skinner. Might be Matthias Eckholm. I'm not sure what the pecking order is, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins, based on all he's endured, I think should be one of the early ones. Um, Blue Jays 7-3 of their last 10. Seattle and Texas 3-7. and seven. Jays fans, take a breath. You got this. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. A few really quick hitters here. It's 12-11. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk to Vinny Iyer from Sports Illustrated about the big NFL weekend. But there's a lot of little things I want to hammer here. Um, and NHL history girl Jen on Twitter had this earlier. On this date in 1980, Oilers signed Matty Hagman, the first Finnish-born and trained NHL player. Now, I remember Hagman, and those who do will absolutely tell you that he was central to the development of Yari Curry and the Oilers you know he was he was back in Finland I don't remember what year but the Oilers went through their glory years with several Finns on the roster and Hagman if you read the book and please do the Peter Zosky book glory of their lives he's he's in it and he's he's a big part of it and and Yari Curry is just coming in and Hagman is a big part of that development. So Hagman remembered today as signing. And Lou Lamorello says Zach Parisi will not come to camp with the Islanders. Did not rule out something later in the season. Says Parisi is home in Minnesota. So that was one of the things that we had talked about. I'm I'm uncertain about what the Oilers are going to do with that last spot, but they're. There is enough around a man named Brett Murray that we're going to talk about him today. Hello, Low Tide. It's great hearing these familiar and new voices. I hope more of the old crew get back on the air. 
Donald's and A&W both have very good coffee from Shovelhead. Now, Shovelhead, is is, th- is that a compliment uh, nickname, or is that someone you would give to yourself? Uh, that that seems like one of the ones, like something really funny happened with your friends when you were 16, 15, mm. and you just became Shovelhead for the rest of your life. My dad you know used I mean? to have, my dad was, was uh, he was a good, uh, please understand he was a good man, but he had he had friends and he would call them the almost awful names. He had a friend named Dirty Dan, and he had a friend named Filthy Frank, and he had a friend named Shovel Teeth, which I always thought was the worst thing you could call somebody. But, I mean, the poor guy, right? But my, <laughs> that's how my dad went through life. To be fair, the way you started your story, I thought the names were going to be a lot worse. So oh. I think, all things considered, that's not bad. That's, you think I, Shovel Teeth isn't bad? I mean, I wouldn't want to be called Shovel Teeth, but, you know, as far as what names you could be called, it would, you know, there's maybe at least some some friendship behind it. There's a funny story, like I said. No, there isn't. Okay, well, hey, I'm just, I'm trying to defend I your dad. I guarantee here. Shovel Teeth's wife did not, she did not want to be called Mrs. Shovel Teeth. Was that, was it brought up at the wedding? I don't know. I okay. If I was there, I was, I was probably I <laughs> building up to something in the diaper. I don't remember. <laughs> LT can't tell you how happy it is to ha- I am to have you back on the airwaves. Thank you from Lair. And Ear Candy says, "Good show, guys." Well, thank you. I like the brevity of it. And that's that's what we have for you today. 18334011440. We love that you tuned in. This is week number 2. We'd like it to be a habit. That's how that's how radio works. You we become a habit. We're like coffee in the morning. And it's got to be on 100th Avenue or there's a problem. So Vinny Iyer from Sports Illustrated, Jason Greger from Sports 1440 and Oilers Nation and Daily Faceoff and all those other locales are our guests today. We've got rumors for you, your comments uh, coming up. Please stay tuned. The Low Tide is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmcbuick.com. And this is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown. With Low Tide on Sports 1440. We're in the beautiful palatial studios at West Edmonton Mall. Having fun. I think we're figuring out the coffee thing for our friend. That'll be good. I'm talking waivers later, so I'm thrilled. And we have something really important to talk about, and that is NFL Week 1. And we're joined by, from the Sporting News, Vinny Iyer to talk about uh, his power rankings, which I love because the Eagles are number two. God bless you, sir, for putting the Eagles number two despite that uh, a couple of lapses in that game. And uh, New England looked uh, like they could have won that game very late. Yeah, I mean, it, just surviving on the road in the NFL is hard, especially in week one when there's weather and you're getting the best shot, uh, avoiding the Super Bowl hangover early in the season. So give them credit for that. And they did play really well for one half of the game. So that still is good enough to win the game. And, and I like I'm watching and I'm thinking, boy, this, you know, the secondary is going to have to figure it out. And they're they're You know, they looked a little loose, but. But how much can you take from a like week one? I mean, there's some teams. I think the Giants can take a lot away. But how much can a team take away? I mean, they won the game. How much do you do you tweak? And I guess you're worried about injury more than anything. Yeah, you're also figuring out teams have a different scheme or look, and you may have not had enough on this new team in the way that they're 
operating offensively or defensively, they can change things up to adjust to what you are now. So it's a feeling out period early in the season. So there's that. And I think early you got to stick to what you do well and play to your strengths a little bit more. Maybe later in the season, you know, more what the weaknesses are of every team with the data and history of this particular season with the personnel they have. So early, I think, is just trying to execute your game plan as best you can, adjusting and pivoting. And Eagles are really good at that. It's, there's something that's taken away or something that's contained. They can find someone else to make the plays, and that's what happened. So your number one team on your uh, um, NFL power rankings at the Sporting News this morning is San Francisco. Ayuk, obviously very good. The the Everybody said, oh, the 49ers will be good, but they said that about the Chargers too. Have to be impressed walking away with the 49ers and their, their uh, win yesterday. Yeah, road coming across country and handling that situation. The Steelers had some buzz. They played really well in the preseason, and Everyone's looking, okay, the Steelers are a disaster. No, I think the 49ers just put a gap between teams like the Steelers who are more middle-of-the-pack AFC and not come close to competing with the elite NFC teams. So when I look at where the 49ers are at, I, I think there were enough holes in that defense in Pittsburgh where, okay, they had one secondary matchup they could exploit. They had confidence that they were going to be able to run the ball I think the Steelers expected to play better run defense there, but it's hard with McCaffrey. They're breaking in new linebackers, trying to slow things down in the middle of the field. So I think the 49ers realized that. Let's get McCaffrey going. And keep in mind, their slow start last year, they didn't have McCaffrey to kind of uh, get them through that. It was a disastrous game in Chicago with the weather and Trey Lance and his start and all that. So I think the 49ers realized, look, we just need to settle, be steady. We have the strength to win these type of games. Don't overthink here and they didn't they just got the ball in the hands of McCaffrey, IU, Debo Samuel, George Kill and let their defense go to work on every level. Vinny I are a guest from the Sporting News on Sports 1440 and the Lowdown with Low Tide. So the Dallas Cowboys look great and the Giants obviously look terrible. The problem when the Cowboys look great is everybody gets into hype mode and now, now we're looking at uh, you know a Super Bowl winner this early. How good are the Cowboys, and how impressed were you, or was it just a matter of the Giants being so flat? Well, they came out flat for sure, but I think the Cowboys have a good uh, system here, the way they're going to operate. Daniel Jones has struggled with them and their defense because they can put pressure. They didn't really protect Daniel Jones well. They got out of their element early, giving up the special teams a defensive touchdown. They couldn't follow their script, get their new uh, passing game going here, so yeah, the deficiencies that the Giants have had are there last year. The difference was they weren't making those big mistakes and slowing things down a little bit. And maybe teams are have a little bit better read on what Ryan Dable and Mike Kafka are trying to do. So I think that was all in play. And yeah, the Cowboys are going to be over hyped no matter what. But I think the better New York team they're going to face this week. I mean, we'll see how they fare. The Jets, and we don't know what the Jets are going to do yet on Monday night, but that's going to be a tougher test for them at home. We know they can struggle in those spots more so than going on the road and beating some teams at times. So again, the Cowboys need to be consistent. It's not like their offense was put to the test or needed to do all that much with Dak Prescott. So that, that's the thing is that it was over before it started with most defensive and special teams plays. So again, it's not always going to happen that way to just totally take a team out of the element. So I think it says more about the Giants maybe in for a little bit of a regression here. Where I think the Cowboys, I mean, the NFC clear path here behind really the Eagles, 49ers, maybe look at the Lions, Cowboys. There's not a lot of teams there that you feel can compete for that conference title. 
One of my favorite stories, maybe even my favorite yesterday, was Tua and how well he played for Miami and, you know, the 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 spark early last year and then the injuries and you weren't quite sure about, you know, what was happening. Good to see him out there. Good to see them winning. Uh, and massive game uh, with uh, Tyreek Hill. How do, you, how do you feel about the Dolphins? You know, they got past one test and injuries will still be a concern, but they're a fun team. Yeah, they're definitely fun. They know what they are. They're going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to throw it to just a couple guys for the most part. You know it's coming. You just try to stop them. And they have no shame about throwing that many times. I mean, this is a team that I think it was 45-20. But more than two-thirds of the time, they're throwing the ball here with the attempts for Tudor. Well, they're going to keep doing it. I think their offensive line is a little bit concerned if they face a team that has a little bit more consistent pass rush than the Chargers. I know they have some players up front, but that's what I like to see, how they hold up against the Patriots, much tougher pass defense overall. They can put some pressure on different angles here for two in week two. So let's see how it plays out. The consistency with two is important as well as the health, and those are the two things that are the biggest concerns with the Dolphins going forward. Vikings, Chargers, or say Bengals most disappointing for you in week one? Well, I think it's the Bengals because I think the Chargers, Vikings, they kind of go up and down like that and go nuts and they had chances to win the game. But the Bengals really had no chance. They didn't really show up here. Joe Burrow didn't even get 100 yards passing. It was just a weird game for them. just seemed to be lifeless. Maybe they sparked the Browns a little bit with their elves comment and they just didn't get a good read on how good the Browns could be. The Browns weren't terrific or anything. They just kind of grinded through the game, took advantage of the fact that the Bengals had no offensive uh, challenge at all. So, Battle of Ohio, something that brings out the worst in Joe Burrow. You think it would bring out the best being an Ohio guy, but maybe it's uh, just the way the Browns match up in general defensively against the Bengals. The uh, the the, uh, the Raiders are a team that I think, I, I, you know, I, I did. I was I was ready to say, you know, to, to come on and say, well, you know, this is going to be the year. Uh, how much importance do you put on week one for the Raiders? Well, it was a nice win, but, you know, Denver has gone through some of the same things, trying to get on track here. So we'll see what happens if the Raiders can sustain this a little bit. Again, it's not necessarily an impressive victory. You went on the road and won, which is big in any division scenario here. But I think they impressed some people. I think the Rams did that as well. They went on the road in the division and won the game where no one thought they had a chance to. So, very similar outcomes there. And again, it's going to build confidence. And it says like any given week, you've got to be ready and you can't play mediocre and expect to just show up and beat a team. Vinny, I'm, I'm surrounded by Bills fans. I, I can't ignore them. There's too many in the building and they're all around the city. Uh, what about tonight? Do, do, the Jets are interesting. Bills are apparently, based on everybody I talk to in this building, are, are on the way to a Super Bowl victory. How do you see tonight's game? Yeah, I mean, this is very important. The way the Dolphins are playing, Patriots actually played pretty well. They're going to play each other there in week two, so this is an important division game early. The Jets need this win, I think, because it's a home game in this series, and to feel a little bit confident that they are going to go where they want to go with their defense and Aaron Rodgers. So those are going to play well. I think it's going to be one of the better games of the week, hard-fought, physical. I like it, and I think it's going to be lower scoring than people think. Thanks for this. Appreciate it. Yep, have a good one. All right, Vinny Iyer the sporting news check out his nfl power rankings especially that number two team i was thrilled i did not expect that because 
I don't know if you watched or paid attention to the Eagles yesterday, but they were up really big early, like 16 nothing, and then bang, all of a sudden it's 16-14. And the same thing happened. They got up another, you know, large amount, uh, and then Patriots came back. That's one where you don't so much win as just, what is it, eke it out? There is some degree of that, but to me, the game never felt out of control for the Eagles. I know there were times when the Patriots closed the gap, like you said, cut it from 16 nothing in the first quarter to 16-14. They scored again late in the fourth to make the score a little bit more respectable, but it always felt like the Eagles were in control of that game as far as I was concerned. I wouldn't put too much stock into it. Like If I was an Eagles fan, I'm not walking out of that game worried about the final score. I'm I'm looking at the game saying we dominated for you know 48-50 minutes of a 60-minute game. Yeah, well, I think that's fair. By the way, Halo Tide, welcome back. Do you have a teenager that can help me find you on the podcast thing? He can't always tune in at noon, Jimmy. So can we go through that? Yeah, absolutely. So the podcasts are still going to be available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, the process is a little bit differently, is a little bit different at this station as opposed to the old network. Uh, I've been over it. Essentially at the old network, you could pull the, uh, you could pull the audio logs immediately when the hour finished. Now they get brought to us on a memory stick. So there will be a little bit more of a delay than you may be used to, but Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, they'll still be there. Well, and I'm aching to do that thing Bob does where, 28 million people listen to my podcast. So I'd like to get that going as quickly as we can, where we get numbers and they're they're outrageous. So let's try for that if we can. Let's all band together. Uh, Eagles are the top NFC team, taking into account the weather and the genius of, uh, of Bill and the hype of the Brady retirement ceremony. So happy you're back, LT. Oh, that's very kind. Um, back to the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Let's go. Okay. I... I that seems strong, but let's, okay, why not? Great to hear you on the radio again. Go Oilers, go Niners. They seem to have a lot of fans. Probably Montana, maybe Young. There was that time with Kaepernick. Happy to hear you guys back on the radio. Just got out of class, so I may have missed some stuff. What are your thoughts on Broberg with Nurse? Uh, I, I think it's good, but I, I think that if you're going to ask Nurse to play the big minutes, he's never really had since, like, Larson, really. You know, Bear was a young player, uh, CeCe a, a veteran, but, you know, he's had some injury issues. Broberg's still learning on the job. That's a lot. It's a big ask. Now, they do have Ekholm Bouchard. They can play a lot of tough minutes, too. So maybe, I mean, I, I trust Woodcroft. I think he's a really good coach. A lot of people were um, nonplussed by the playoff run against Vegas, but there were a lot of reasons for that. And, and I do think that... that um, there's a tendency among the fan base and really among some analytics people to be so unforgiving that that there's no room for error, and I just don't think that's true. Woodcroft did get outcoached by Golden Knights. That doesn't mean you fire his ass. That's my opinion. Would make for a very deep bottom four pairings. You'd get some inexperience paired with Nurse. Yeah, exactly. It's from Big John. I think there's a there's a, there's some risk there, Big John, and I think there are other routes they'll try first. But that doesn't mean they won't go there. Shovel had said it's a nickname from work. I worked up north operating large shovels. Well, that makes way more sense. I thought he was walking around with a head that was shaped like a shovel, which is ridiculous. I don't know why you would have said that. My biggest thing was I thought he got hit in the head with a shovel when he was like 16. You know what I mean? Like that's sure. that's something that, that does make sense you, as well. Right? That was where yeah. my that was my first thought. Yeah. Well, that makes more sense than me thinking his head was like a shovel because I don't think you could get past that and probably people would not call you that. 
You know? It'd be too easy, yeah. right? It's, it'd be too. The, the, it's the fine subtleties that yeah. make it a fun inside joke. If he if he had a head shaped like a shovel, you could call him Digger. There you go, and that would right. be kind of clever. It's the ironic nicknames that are the best. Like if yeah. your head is shaped like a shovel and you get called Shovelhead, that's no fun. If you're six eleven and they call you Tiny, that's a great nickname. Giddy you know up. what I mean? Exactly. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. I miss the random rambling of the eighty four Mets and Expos. Not even joking, Mister Stuff Low Tide from Twitch. Well, bring it on. I'm all about it. I uh, I've been following the Nationals because I I'm the king of pain. I just want bring it to me. I want a, I want a team that I can cheer for that could lose 100 games a year. That's what I'm after. And this Josiah Gray guy reminds me so much of Floyd Yeomans. It's incredible how similar they are. Great stuff. Capable of being dominant three, four starts at a time, and then it all gets obliterated. Frustration? Yes. But talent? Oh, my. Ty, does this new character know about Josh Hosang PTO? Yeah, I don't. That was a, uh, I think that was a Uremchuk thing where I would always, he had this thing for, for Josh Hosang trying to get him to the team. He also did for Lauren, no, for um, the goaltender in Pittsburgh, Kristen Jari. And Jari ended up being a pretty darn good goaltender. Still is. Started a little bit last year, but uh, I think he's going to be fine. Okay, it's 1235. We're going to take a break. On the way, it's the rumors segment. And we're going to talk about a lot of things, including a young man named Brett Murray you'll want to know about. This is Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Nick Cafe now has cold brew beverages, and they're smooth. Made with 100% Arabica beans, steeped cold and slow for an irresistibly smooth taste. Mick Cafe cold brew beverages for a limited time only at participating McDonald's. Mr. Rooter hits the link. Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide. My all-time favorite albums. That's got to be top five. The Exile, Born to Run, Rust Never Sleeps, Fear of Music, Brothers and Sisters, Almonds. That's my five right now. It changes. The, The Stones album changes. Could be Sticky Fingers next time. See, I was always I was always a melon camp over Springsteen kind of guy. So like Pink Houses. I'm gonna beat you till you're you know really? Yeah, yeah. Really? I don't I don't know. I think it was honestly just because I love Rain on the Scarecrow so much. That one song on pretty much bl- made Mellencamp's entire discography. I like John Mellencamp, but I would oh, not great. put him in the same. But he's not the boss. See, I, I've had people say to me when I when I declare my love for the boss, uh, I, I had people say, Well, I like Tom Petty better. And I, I do get that. I like Tom right. Petty a lot too. But you don't you don't have many Mellencamp enthusiasts, is what I'm hearing. Because I said that, and you kind of uh, no, you thought, took a shot at me. I, I I I did well. I that's kind of the show. Yeah. So that's true. you know, don't take it personally. No, never. You know, never. Um, I I thought I was going to get you with that one. I thought you were going to come back and say, "Great choice, Declan." Couldn't agree more. So I was not. I'm not prepared for this uh, reaction. My favorite John Cougar song, Mellencamp, is uh, called "Ain't Even Done with the Night," which is a ballad, and it was early on. Um, and he was called John Cougar at the beginning, and then they changed it. I think he just wanted his name out there. Yeah, he's gone through a couple names, but I yeah. mean, Pink Houses. I'm telling you, go, I will go tell re- you. Go re-listen to the album. Two separate. I won't. I, two separate albums or two separate tours that he did. That two separate sets of friends of mine partied with him after the show, and they both were absolutely declared he was. He's a brilliant, nice guy. So there you go. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
The writing is on the wall. Did anyone ever party with Bruce Springsteen? I don't think so. I'm, well, wait I'm a just minute. saying. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have fans or well, friends who, you know, gather in that direction. You know, I mean, I don't think that's a true way of comparable. Oh, London calling. Damn it. Well, City Dynasty. Yeah, I've got to put that one in there, too. This is the problem with doing a top five all-time albums on the fly. I don't know why you made me do that, but that was embarrassing. Oh, by the way. London Calling isn't even my favorite Clash album. I know we're getting off what, on a tangent What, what here. Clash album do you like better? Combat Rock. Oh, with, Combat with Rock, Rock is good. Casper, There's no yeah. doubt. I like uh, um, the one with Safe European Home on it, but it was too... Uh, give them enough rope. Uh, it was too overproduced, but I like a lot of the songs on there. But London Calling is the best clash. Sandinista is long. If you made it one album, it would have been a great record. But there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, it's they got were, like 40 songs, it feels uh, like, on that a one. A lot. They're, they were putting out, you know, they even put out a, a Mick Jones did an album with Ellen, Ellen Foley. Is that correct? Uh, from Night Court. And there's a lot of cool stuff on there, too. Uh, anyway, we are so far down the rabbit hole. I'm going to back off and let you get to uh, these uh, NHL rumors we got And here. I had planned on talking about my first purchase of uh, pre-cooked bacon, but we'll have to do that later. Okay, here's what I have for you. Uh, number one, it looks like Thomas Tatar has changed agents and is heading east or leaning towards heading east. No real surprise there, but that's via Elliot Friedman. Quinn Hughes has been named the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, and I would like someone to to do a um, maybe I suck at picking or one of those really brilliant people. The first the first captain in Vancouver Canucks history was a man named Orlan Curtinback. And I'm going to say he was 6'5", 230, back when 5'9", could play comfortably in the NHL. And if you, if you put Curtinback's numbers, vitals, next to Quinn Hughes' numbers, I'm going to say 70 pounds and eight or nine inches in difference in height. There's a big whack of geography difference there. I'm just saying. All right. Lou Lamorello says Zach Parisi won't join the Islanders for now. He says he's in Minnesota, not joining him for now. I wonder. Because Parise, you have, there's a certain point where you have to sign if you're going to play in the playoffs. That'll be the drop dead date for Parise. Sounds like Lou's got his hooks in him, though, so... Expect that to happen. Remember the time Niedermeyer came back with like 30 or 25 games to play with Anaheim? And they said, well, that's the end of that. And good that they did it because Sather used to get away with trading for Rael Rutzelainen right at the last minute, and they stopped it because of that. There's always guys trying to get through the rules. or guys like Slats and Lou Lamarillo who win, though, so there you go. Brett Pesci is out there as a name. Carolina hasn't made a move yet. If he ever came available, Ken Holland, historically, when he was in Detroit, when he went hunting for a big name, he'd get the guy, Chris Chelios, um, Dominic Hasek, uh, Brendan Shanahan, lots of names like that, Grobatai. And so Pesci, as a right defenseman on the top pairing with either Ekholm or Nurse, would be, I mean, that is pretty close to ideal. And you would load up, Load up to get him if you're the Oilers. And I don't know if Tulski likes any of the Oilers prospects, but he'd get the first round pick. He might get Broberg. He might get Holloway. That would be that's a name for you to keep in mind that maybe has been off the radar for the summer. Now that we're back into September, I'll mention his name. 
Uh, Elias Lindholm was discussed in the Calgary Sun today. Wes Gilbertson thinks he'll sign for eight years. Daniel Austin thinks he'll, the Flames should trade him or at least consider it. I have your answer. He will sign. Here's why. The Flames have bled too much talent. They're overpay, and they will sign him. They they can't. There's no way they can afford to. Backlund, you let go because he's older. But you've got to get, and you're going to overpay, and it's going to be for too long. And people are going to bitch and moan, but that's how it works. You've got to do it. And Calgary is, they uh, unlike Vancouver, are just being stubborn. Calgary has a reason to try to load up. They could get hot in goal, and they could go on a long run. So I understand it. Vancouver, not so much. I wanted to talk to Brett Murray. Two separate people DM'd me over the weekend and asked me about Brett Murray. And he's that if two people do it, then somebody's mentioned it somewhere. And he's six five and he's twenty five. He had a solid AHL season a year ago. And he plays for Buffalo in their organization. And he's a big body. He would be like I don't think he has the talent of Clem Costin, but he would be a bigger body you could put on the bottom six. If you had to move Fogel up, uh, then you could move, you know, Holloway or whatever, but he's a third, fourth line guy. Uh, doesn't have a lot of NHL experience, but he would be an interesting player for the Oilers. What would it cost? I don't know. The Oilers have depth. They could trade a Nima Linen. They, I mean, they could probably trade a Lavoie, Th- that sort of level of player, maybe a pick. I'm not sure what what would be, you know, Buffalo's ask, but it wouldn't be exorbitant. And he's a guy that can play, and he's a little older, a little more experienced, might be something that they that they want to go with. The Edmonton Oilers could make a trade here before the opening of the season. And I'm going to go back to last year. Remember when Brad Holland was hired and people said, oh, well, he was partly responsible. He had been in the organization, and they say, He's partly responsible for Zach Hyman coming here, and there was there was uh, I think Levin's had a lot of the drops that were that were being made available to media, and so there's that you have that in your in your arsenal that you've got that as your background. Okay, that's his resume. But for me, Brad Holland, when I started to really notice him in a good way, was October of last year, maybe the ninth or so, when they the, both teams. St. Louis waived Clem Costin, and the Oilers waived Dmitry Samarukov. Both cleared waivers, and then they made a minor league trade, even though they're NHL caliber talents. So you could trade for the player and then put him on the farm and have him play briefly. Both did. Costin got the, the, the recall and ended up staying all year, and he was brilliant for the Oilers. That kind of trade is possible. So putting it into perspective on what the Oilers have, maybe it's camp or Nimalainen for Murray. Not the same kind of deal because I don't think Koston's uh, outer marker, his his potential is is the same as Brett Murray. It's a lesser player in Murray, but it's an interesting idea, and especially if they go into camp and they're not convinced of Gagne or Peterson or, or uh, Kajula or Raphael Lavoie, maybe the Edmonton Oilers think about that kind of thing. And I'm not trying to put down Lavoie. I wrote about him today in the blog. I think he's a good player. I think he'll come in, and I think he will play well enough to make the team. He'll be the last guy. Al Stoff mentioned Brett Murray is a possible waiver pickup. Sure, but you can also make a deal. The Oilers could have picked up Clem Costin on waivers. They did not. 
Hey, LT. Adam Boquist, reportedly available. Any thoughts on this guy? I looked at him, and he's interesting. Uh, I always go to um, Natural Statric. It's just my, my first stop because it gives you the hard numbers, and you can also figure out usage and whether he's being deployed more now than he was a couple of years ago. Uh, just based on you know time on ice, time on ice is the the when you're looking and and you're you're trying to figure out a player, especially defenseman, time on ice is a big deal. And so for Columbus last year, he played about fourteen forty four, which is good. That's third pair, second pair. It's a it's it's significant at five on five. Um, they they were not a very good team. Uh, his expected goals and and goal share were about forty five percent, and most of his underlying numbers were in there as well so that's that's well off the pace but as far as his rel numbers are concerned he was rock solid so i would say that's i would say that's a player that the orders might be interested in not as a top pairing guy but maybe a second and if you're moving up like if you're moving if you're making ekholm bouchard your number one pair and then you're okay with nurse and say cc but not sure. Maybe Boquist is the guy. Now you have two guys. You have Broberg who wants who they want to play on the offside, and you have Darna. I think people, myself included, have sort of not disrespected but discounted Darna a little bit. He'll be a year better too. LT, what's your thoughts on Big Vinny D for next season? I love the dude, and the record with him was pretty darn good. Ekholm obviously made a bigger difference. Not sure on the guys being final answer. Well, here's the thing about about DeHarnay. He's an older prospect and sometimes that's a negative, but in this case it might be a positive. He know he what he needs to work on is obvious. Um I know people con- you know constantly talk about his lack of of foot speed and maybe some recognition issues, but he's so his wingspan is so long, it's going to take even a skilled forward more to get by him. And I know that he was beaten clean, but that was a play where he uh, DeHarnay didn't he he took a misstep that's why he got beaten and you have to remember that when he when he doesn't bite on the play he's there and it's hard to get around him all you're trying to do is run the forward is trying to get past you to the boards don't let him get turn the corner on you and DeHarnay you know if he plays his position and doesn't get out of position doesn't bite then he's good and I, I think the orders have plenty of time for him. I remember talking to um, Jay Woodcroft the summer before DeHarnay, so summer of 22, 22, and he was he was vehement that he should be included in any conversation about who would play in the NHL from that young rookie group that include Dmitry Samarukov and uh, Philip Broberg. Four honor concerns for me in 2023, Broberg, DeHarnay, Campbell, and our defensive system. This defensive system, I don't, I don't want to get mad about it, but I want, I want to just say, I don't know where this starts, but if you think an NHL team isn't aware of of a system and doesn't check down from time to time, one to the other, you, you're just not following along. The owners know how to play all the systems. There was a miss, a misread. Nurse went to the blue line, which tells you it's man to man, and I believe it was Fogel who didn't check down. So every somebody said, "Well, they're playing the forwards are doing this and the defense." Look, it, it's it's a recognition. If Vogel sees Nurse do one thing, then he's naturally going to cover, and he didn't do it. That's a mistake. And when you talk about the systems, 
it doesn't matter what system you're playing. It's it's execution. And in this particular case that everybody keeps talking about, like it's the end of the world, it happens all the time. And it took a hell of a shot from White Cloud to score that goal. So we've spent a summer, you know, I get this inundated on my blog about this. And I'm like, guys, guys, system, you know, if you think Jay Woodcroft doesn't know the system, and if you think he would trust anybody who didn't know the system out there, you're nuts. He's got it down. It's execution. It's recognition. It's why Fogel may never be a top six player. That's what it is. It's execution. It's on the ice recognition of what's happening. Who do I cover? Where do I go? And everybody makes mistakes. Connor McDavid makes mistakes. Ryan Nugent Hopkins makes mistakes. Darnell Nurse makes mistakes. Edmonton Oilers fans choose the mistakes that they want to hammer until daylight. And that's irritating. All right. That's the first time I've got mad about anything. Probably not the last. It just bugs me because it's another way for people to just say the same thing. I don't like Darnell Nurse. Okay. Why don't you just say that instead of, you know, the system needs to be changed. If you think Jay Woodcroft knows less than you, then I I just, about systems, I just can't go there. I cannot agree with you. I just think that's a bridge too far. We've jumped the shark. We're Henry Winkler. We're happy days. Do we really want to do that? I love Henry Winkler, by the way. Caught a big fish on the weekend. Mellencamp is probably on a Bob Seeger level. Not Springsteen, but no slouch either from Sean. That's fair. I'd put Seeger a little higher. Partly because Night Moves is so good. With this that pause, and then the acoustic guitar comes back, and there's that little steel guitar, and then the, the backup singers start singing. Oh, my God, is that good. All right. More of your comments. I suspect it's going to be about the Oilers. Jason Greger will talk about the Oilers. And that's all ahead. And we're just delighted that you're tuning in for week number two of the show. We're hoping to have many weeks. You're listening to The Lowdown, powered by Wolf GMC Buick on Sports 1440. And now it's time for an update. Your 1255 Sports 1440 update in case you missed it over the weekend. It was Canada taking home the bronze in the FIBA World Cup with a 127-118 to overtime victory over the USA. Dylan Brooks led the way with 39 points. SGA added 31-12. and 12. Quinn Hughes named Vancouver Canucks captain earlier today, the 15th in franchise history and the first defenseman since 1990-91. AJHL action over the weekend, 15 games to wrap up the preseason. Spruce Grove with a 5-3 win over Sherwood Park on Friday. Drayton Valley with the 6-5 win over Grand Prairie on Saturday. CJFL action over the weekend saw an Edmonton battle with the Huskies coming out on top 39-11 over the Wildcats. And in Golden Bears news, it was the U of A over the University of Manitoba Bison 37-16 this past Friday. I'm Declan Kruger. You're up to date.